Hello and welcome to week one of the Mega Breakdown, the Mega Pod, right here on thelines.com. Everything we do, absolutely free here, guys. So please, if you're listening to us on the audio version, go in, subscribe, rate, review. If you're listening to us, if you're watching us on the video version, hit that subscribe button down below. Go ahead and like the video and then also let us know in the comment section. Where do you disagree with us? Where do you agree with us? What's right? What's wrong? What's going on here? What plays do you like the best? Let us know in the comment section. We certainly love to hear from you guys. And also, as we go, just some little housekeeping here. This won't be a big, long spiel as we move forward each and every week. But we are doing a $10,000 absolutely free money pick em contest over the course of the season. You can head over to the lines. We'll actually have a link in the description for this over on the YouTube channel as well. But you just sign up. You make your picks each week. And again, the money is absolutely free. It's cash. It's not gift cards. It's not swag. None of that stuff. It is $10,000 up for grabs. So be sure and get in absolutely free on all that. You might notice, yes, I do have Steven Andrus with me again this year. But I'm so glad that we do have Adam Candy hopping in here. Brad Allen on to bigger and better things uh, along the way. But hey. We get a very sharp mind here in Adam Candy, and I'm glad to have some differing opinions as well here along the way because, listen, at the end of the day, you don't have to tail us. You don't have to fade us. You don't do whatever. We just want you to take away some information from what we're giving you each and every week, and hopefully that can shape your betting card with some of the information that we're providing throughout the way. Throughout the way, And, listen, Adam's going to be really, really great at that. Adam, buddy, strap in. We got 18 weeks of this plus playoffs and uh, in the Super Bowl. I hope you're ready. Uh, much like your favorite 90s hip-hop star, consider me strapped. There you go. Good, <laughs> Good stuff. So as we are sitting here, um, we are going to run through each and every game each week. And with that, we will give either in-depth analysis on games that we really, really care about, where we do have bets, or we do have tons of thoughts. And listen, there will be games where we might just kind of move right on past. We don't want to waste your time. We don't want to waste our time. And if we don't have any thoughts on a game and it's more of a, hey, here's the quick thoughts, we'll move on. We'll do that as well throughout the course of the season. So just know we're not going to sit here and talk just for the sake of talking when it comes to some of these games because some of these some of these certainly as we progress throughout the course of the season, we're not going to have any thoughts or plays on whatsoever. And we'll be sure and let you guys know as we do that as well it's a forward-looking podcast so if you want to at the very end we'll give you our thoughts on the Thursday night football game that kicked things off between the Bills and the Rams but as we get going here let's go ahead and start with week one New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons boys we are sitting right now five to five and a half point favorites are the New Orleans Saints on the road Against the Atlanta Falcons, we're looking at a total of about 42.5 or 43. I don't need to tell you what's going on in New Orleans. You already know. Doesn't look like Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended, at least for the beginning of the season here. We don't know how things are going to look a little bit further down the line, but he's going to be out there. Michael Thomas looks to be progressing. He looks to be out there. Jameis Winston also progressed from his injury. He's going to be out there for this Saints team. And then, of course, they go out and draft... Chris Olave, they signed Jarvis Landry. So this is going to be a pretty new look offense for the Saints. You saw a little bit of you saw a little bit of Jameis and Kamara last year together before Jameis got hurt, but that's about it. On the Falcon side of things, 
Marcus Mariota is going to be taking over at quarterback, at least for the first few weeks. We'll see how it goes from there. They're going to have to eventually see what they have in Desmond Ritter, but we will uh, figure out somewhere along the way what week to identify where they might be making that quarterback change. But uh, Marcus Mariota takes over. Of course, Calvin Ridley suspended for the year, so that's a bad thing when it comes to weapons for him. Cal Pitts, one of the highest-graded rookies ever at the tight end position, and honestly, he's basically just a gigantic wide receiver for them. And then, of course, they go out and draft Drake London. That's about it from a real splash standpoint for this Falcons team, projected to be one of the worst teams in all of the NFL. And since you're joining us and since you're new, Adam, Let's go ahead and kick things off here. Saints on the road at the Falcons, about five, five and a half point favorites. Matthew, you as a Saints fan, I think will have to be the one to talk me down a little bit here because I see a lot of things I like about the Saints and I see a lot of things I like about the Saints, I think more than the market does at this point when I was putting together my initial numbers for the season. I get it's a rosy case if I'm saying Alvin Kamara is there, if I'm saying Jameis Winston is going to be more of the 30 touchdown than the 30 interception guy. Uh, I think in some ways we've forgotten how good Michael Thomas is because of the fact that he hasn't been on the field for so long. And so I'm probably guilty in a lot of ways of doing the same thing I do with a lot of my fantasy teams, which is overlooking those health concerns and et cetera, et cetera, and saying, but if they're good, uh, I think New Orleans is probably a wild card team this year in the NFC, not just because of how weak the NFC is, but because I think there's a lot of talent to like on defense as well. Now, that being said, these numbers in particular, I'm going to pass on this game overall. Uh, five and a half for where I see Atlanta is actually just about where I would have made this in the first place, uh, considering where the game is being played. So uh, no opinion in terms of a play, but overall, I have a feeling I'm going to have more Saints in the early weeks of the season than I think a lot of other people will. Steven, if you if people listen to our Survivor Breakdown uh, video, of course, you can find that on the YouTube channel as well. If you're wondering where we were looking from a Survivor standpoint this week, I'm going to be on the Saints. I think that this is a spot where, you know, from that type of contest perspective, that this is a really solid play for them where I'm going to get leverage on the field because I'm using a team that, one, I think wins the game, and two, is not going to be one of the most popular picks out there, so... If they're already upsets, hey, that works out great for me. And then also these teams that people are burning early on in the season, I still have in my pocket for later down the line. Um, but from a side and things perspective, look, if I had to play this game, I'm playing the Saints for sure. I would be playing them as the favorites in this spot. Look, a good defense, mainly from a defensive standpoint for me, right? I mean, it's an, a really good secondary. The defensive line's really, really good as well. We know the offensive line for the Falcons not going to be great. Also, Marcus Mariota hasn't started a game in who knows how long, so it could be a little bit of a deal of some adjustment period for him. We know Drake London was banged up heading into this game anyway, so it's basically the Kyle Pitts show yet again. If you, th if you think Zacchaeus is out there and going to be uh, lighting it up on the field all year long, well, yeah, you have a differing opinion than I do. On all this. So again, I don't have an official play in the account, but it would certainly be a Saints or pass for me. I can't see myself back in the Falcons here in this spot. Let's get our first game and let's have our first lesson for the new listeners out there on trends with a Z instead of an S at the end here, Matt, because I want to know if this is real news or fake news. And we look into some of these, most of them are absolute crap. I just saw an article Friday morning. 
noting that the Bills won Thursday night, but the last Super Bowl champion to win on the opening <laughs> night game wasn't since the Patriots in like 2004. There's a lot of absolute BS, non-actionable stuff out there. This one I want your opinion on. Since 2009, divisional home underdogs in week one are 19-5 and five against the spread. Now I'm really asking hard here because we all agree the Falcons are one of the worst rosters in the NFL, but that just on its face as a starting point, does it hold water in your opinion? Well, listen, I can get it from a familiarity standpoint, but like, what are they familiar with? I mean, this is, I mean, like Jameis Winston wasn't out there, but for a handful of games last year, there was no such thing as Chris Olave. There was no such thing as Jarvis Landry on this team. Michael Thomas didn't play on this team last year. Like, I, I mean, from a familiarity standpoint, I guess I can understand that, but what are they familiar with? Right. And, and then on the Falcon side of things, it's a new quarterback, new weapons, new everything. I mean, like, so I, I guess I can get it as an overall type thing, you know, in a super, super macro standpoint. But Adam, for me, in this particular instance where we're talking about two teams where, again, the Saints are basically a different team, you know, because of, of how they're made up for this season. And then, of course, it's a new look Falcon squad. I, I don't I can't see anything that's that's actionable there. Well, and let's add in the fact that we're also talking about an Atlanta team that is with a second-year head coach who was the play caller in Tennessee, but if you look inside what he did in the first year in Atlanta, he didn't call plays the same way in Atlanta as he did in Tennessee. It wasn't as heavy on play action. It wasn't as heavy on the run, and obviously it wasn't going to be as heavy on the run without Derrick Henry to some degree, but... I don't know that we know a lot about either of these teams uh, when it comes to talking about a familiarity standpoint and uh, that trend that Steven mentioned. So, yeah, for me, both of these teams are wait-and-see teams when it comes to betting because there are just too many variables. But Steven, I mean, listen again, none of us have an official play on this, so I don't want us to like get too into right. the to the weeds on this. But it's just for me, it, just from a talent perspective, I mean, it's supposed to be one of the worst offensive lines in the league for the Falcons, it's supposed to be one of the worst defensive lines in the league. So Jameis shouldn't be pressured in this thing. I mean, like, look, if there's if you want to poke holes in Jameis and things down the line, like, I think that's perfectly fair. But I don't think this Falcons team's one to, you know, air quote, expose Jameis in this offense or whatever here in week one. I agree with everything you guys said. I would never be interested in Atlanta in this spot. The Saints, to Adam's point, I agree with that I could be interested in this squad. Full disclosure, I threw some lunch money on them at 50-1 to to win the Super Bowl earlier this offseason just because when healthy, I think this is a playoff team, and I think the NFC is vulnerable, evidenced by one of the top projected teams getting their butts kicked on Thursday night to open the season in the Los Angeles Rams. But week one, on the road, getting the worst of the number at this point after this opened at three and a half for the Saints. And an offensive line that is average at best in the projections and starting an FCS rookie at left tackle and Trevor Penning. And Jameis Winston once upon a time threw 30 interceptions in a single season. So let's just, let's just see how this plays out for the Saints first. San Francisco 49ers and the Chicago Bears right now. There are a couple six and a halfs available on the 49ers out there. The rest of the market sitting at seven in favor of the Niners. We have a very, very low total for today's NFL sitting at 40 and a half across the board. There is one rogue 40 out there at Unibet if you want to uh, if you want to play the uh, the over in this thing. Guys, 
Don't need to tell. Don't need to tell you if uh, you've been following this. Trey Lance era has begun in San Francisco for the 49ers. Not all great news for them though, because it does look like George Kittle is going to miss this game for them. We are recording this on Friday morning, so the official injury reports are not out yet. Be sure and follow those as those start hitting in the afternoons on Fridays because those can certainly shape how you want to get your betting card. But it does not look like Kittle is going to play here in week one. Aggravated his groin, had to miss to two practices leading into Friday. And so uh, that's not great for, for I think, this 49er team in general as we move forward if he has to miss multiple weeks. I don't think it's going to affect how I view this game in week one against the Chicago Bears, which I think is probably going to be the second worst team in all the NFL behind the Seattle Seahawks. So, uh, Steven, I'll start with you here. 49ers, this this seemed like a fantastic teaser leg to me to take the seven down to one. I have multiple different legs that involve the 49ers as them is one of the teaser legs taking the seven down to the one. And I still feel super comfortable with it. Do I want George Kittle out there for a guy that I'm basically considering and looking at as a rookie quarterback? I know he was in the league last year. I know he got a little bit of playing time, but let's just, they finally handed the keys over. I'm basically treating him as if he were a rookie. Yes, I would love for him to have George Kittle out there. I would love for him to have that security blanket. That being said, even with that not being the case, he still has Ayuk. He still has Debo Samuel. And look, they can run the ball all day long in this Bears team, which they, I imagine that they will. And so I'm not worried about having all that liability on this 49ers team as we head into this one. Combine that rain in the forecast, some wind gusting up to 30 miles per hour potentially at Soldier Field, and a complete mismatch in the trenches, whether it's the 49ers offensive line against the Bears front seven or the Bears offensive line against the 49ers front seven is a really tough spot, especially for the Bears offensive line. Nick Bosa, number seven edge rusher. The Niners are moving Eric Armstead back inside where he had a higher pass rush grade as an interior defensive lineman than he did as an outside linebacker and pass rusher. So, and the 49ers get pressure without blitzing. We saw that all throughout the postseason last year. They had a bottom five blitz rate a year ago. But they pressured 24% of snaps versus only blitzing less than 20% of the time, according to Pro Football Reference. So this is a bottom two consensus offensive line for Chicago. It is especially bad at tackle where they're going to have to deal with Bosa. So it's, I think it's going to be tough with the elements. I think it's tough with the offensive line for Chicago to move the ball in this game. So really the only concern you have is Trey Lance. And if I'm picking any head coach to kind of guide a, a young quarterback early in his career, I'm picking Kyle Shanahan over anybody. This is a coach that we saw win a playoff game once upon a time with his quarterback throwing less than 15 times in the game. So um, I want to find reasons to be bullish on the 49ers. I'm not so bullish that, that I want to lay a touchdown on the road in week mm -hmm. one with Trey Lance, but I agree with you that the teaser leg seems fine. Adam, we take a look at this one. I mean, as we, yes, I could sit here and just tell you all the reasons why I think that the Bears are going to be bad. I, I mean, we could we could probably talk for a whole podcast on that. But I mean, I, I'd rather just look at why we think that even even without even without George Kittle in Week One, even with Trey Lance basically you know taking over the reins here, as to why that that I think that this is still okay for them. I mean, look, the offensive line should be fine, at least an upper half, if not an upper third. 
offensive line for him. You kind of look. The defensive line is going to give Justin Fields and this Bears team just all kinds of hell. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. You've got Drake Jackson, Kerry Hyder. I mean, there's just tons of reasons to love what they bring on the defensive side. And they upgraded in the secondary as well, bringing in Charvarius Ward and all that. And it's just for me... There might be reasons for us to poke holes again in the 49ers down the line. I just don't think it's here against this Bears team. So I'm going to give you a number that almost seems impossible, but the Chicago Bears pulled this off in 2021. (laughs) They were 0-5 against the spread as a home dog. You know how difficult that is to do in an NFL season to have five opportunities to cover as a home dog and not hit one of them? So that point for me is not to talk about that trend from last year. The point for me is to say, if you are going to take the points with San Francisco, I should say with Chicago here against San Francisco, you need to explain to me why. And if it's a fate of San Francisco like you're talking about, then fine. But I can't find a reason to take Chicago as the team to exploit that, as you guys have referenced. Now, I can find reason to get involved when it comes to the total in this game. And that's one that I do see uh, a slight edge on here, playing over 40 and a half, which you'll see at most books. You mentioned the Rogue 40 out there at Unibet. This has a lot to me of a feel of a game that we had last year uh, with the 49ers and the Lions uh, last season. If you remember this game, Niners went up 31-10 at halftime, and then we had the fight and dance with a furious comeback in the second half to make it interesting. And I think that's the kind of game we could be looking at here, minus the fact, of course, as Stephen just mentioned, the weather could be awful, and so you don't have dome conditions involved for a team to make that kind of comeback. But uh, I think that when we look at this game in particular, yeah, I'm not worried about any of the advanced numbers when we talk about this, and we'll talk a lot of advanced numbers as the season goes on. But what I do see here is once the reins are off Justin Fields, once the Niners have a sizable lead in this game, I think then you start to add in some of the variants of what it could look like uh, once he gets out in space and tries to make some things happen. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and listen, from an over perspective in this one, there's – there's also the turnover factor, right? And I think that the Bears are, you know, at least at the beginning of the season, going to be trying to figure some stuff out there. I think there'll be some turnovers, some short fields, things like that for this 49ers team. And it won't take much to get over a tiny number like 40 and a half. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cincinnati Bengals. We won't spend much time on this because this is the only game, guys, that has been stuck at the number since the thing posted. I mean, this came out. It got to six and a half and basically has just stuck at six and a half forever. There are a couple of sixes out there. If you do want to shop around a little bit, there are a couple of sixes, but it has basically been six and a half in favor of the Bengals since this thing posted. I don't think anybody is really jumping up and down to back the Steelers led by Mitch Trubisky on the road against the defending AFC champions, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, who went out and if anything, really massively improved on a team that that made a you know a Cinderella run last year Adam for me no no real opinions on this I mean I I would play the bingo I think that this has the reason I would play either bingles or pass here is for 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 two different reasons one I think they're good I actually think that this team is going to repeat like a lot have a lot of the success that they had last year when you were able to do what you were able to do last year with literally a bottom three offensive line, and then you go out and you restructure it to make it a top 10 offensive line. I think that with the quarterback that you have in Joe Burrow is just, is, is super fantastic. But two, um, I would play this because I think that there's a chance this Steelers team, especially here at the beginning of the season, 
trying to figure some stuff out, see what's going on. Mitch Trubisky knows that Kenny Pickett is looming behind him and all that. I mean, look, we just saw a really good Rams team get housed this past week. I don't think the Steelers are good at all. I think the Bengals are good. It, this wouldn't surprise me. I would only play this as like an alt. Like I'd play like Bengals minus eight and a half or something if I was actually going to play this one because I don't think this is a squeaker by any stretch. If they're going to cover this, they're going to cover this probably by like two touchdowns. I'm going to talk myself in circles and I'm going to do it for the reason <laughs> of saying why I'm not playing this game. Uh, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying about the Cincinnati rebuilt offensive line as they go out and get Kappa and they get Collins and they make themselves into a much more competent unit. That being said, it is a new offensive line, right? There's a lot of talent on that offensive line, but if ever there were going to be a week where that's going to get tested, yes, I know TJ Watt missed some time in the preseason, but this is a defensive line that will put pressure on them and force this to be more of a challenge, I think, than you might see otherwise. And I don't think you need to look any farther than week one of last year to see Pittsburgh somehow beating Buffalo uh, in week one to say that there's enough chance of something going sideways here that I'm not in any uh, any hurry to get involved. That being said, the other side of this is uh, a deep, deep analysis that I have for you, which is Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, exactly. Done. <laughs> and that's it. And that's all you have to do. And seriously, I mean, like, look, I, I, he, he knows, we know, everyone knows he's just a placeholder. They are going to be going to Kenny Pickett at some point. You have to, you spend a first round pick on him. You have to know if you went, if you completely messed up. And if you did, because this is going to be a deep quarterback draft that's coming up. And so you, you can't just sit back on a guy that's not any good. Steven, I mean, for me again, like it, it, it's Cincinnati or pass, but it's not going to make the card for me. Yeah, people, don't be the, the person who thinks you're sharper than the sharps on a line that hasn't moved since mid-August when these opened. Yeah. Uh, just The line is right. Leave it alone. The Bengals bet I made this week was on the look-ahead line. I have the Bengals significantly higher than the Dallas Cowboys. I think their matchups are great, and I think the wrong team's favored on the look-ahead. So I took Cincinnati plus 2.5 against Dallas, and I also added them to a teaser leg on the look-ahead for week two. So... Uh, there, there's your Bengals play if you're so inclined to get some money down on Cincinnati this week. Yeah, I mean, look, from a survivor standpoint, if you wanted to play them, I get it. I think that's fine. I think there's probably better survivor plays out there if you really want to uh, you know, strategize out over the course of the whole season. Some people just want to win week one and move on. I totally understand if you want to play Cincinnati in your survivor pool, so that's fine. But from a, from a bet standpoint, you know, look, it, it'd be an alt. Seriously, it'd be an alt line or a pass for me if I was going to play this one Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit Lions this is one we have an opinion on for sure as we sit right now there are a couple of three and a halfs available out there in the market they are on their way to four mainly four across the market in favor of the road Eagles the Lions of course your darlings from from hard knocks this past season 48 and a half is your total in this one Steven, look, you and I are looking at this one the same way. I like this Eagles team a ton. I have picked this Eagles team to come out of the NFC and participate in the Super Bowl. If that is a good read on my part, then I have to have them winning games like this that they should win, and I should have them winning games like this pretty handily. Listen, if we want to talk about mismatches, we've been talking about mismatches in that in you know with the Bears a little bit earlier. This is also going to be a pretty big mismatch if this offensive line situation shapes up for the Lions like it looks like it's going to. And they've already had to 
they are already having to replace their starting right guard. He is already donezo for this team. Now we look up, and Frank Ragnow was downgraded on Thursday. Their other offensive lineman, and Tommy Kramer, did not practice on Thursday either. So you are now looking at an offensive line that from where they thought they were going to be a month and a half ago is now going to be down three starters. This was a strength of this team, this offensive line, coming into this year. And now they're going to be down three starters, it looks like, at least here in in week one. And you give me this Philadelphia defense up against a, a pressured Jared Goff, because by the way, let's not forget... Jared Goff under pressure is one of the worst quarterbacks we've ever seen in NFL history. I think this one is the one that could get out of hand. I do understand it's on the road. I do understand that Jalen Hurts still needs to prove it to us. But give me the three and a half. I gobbled it up as soon as it hit here in Vegas. Only one book allowed me to get to it. I had to pay a tiny bit of juice, minus 112 as opposed to minus 110. But the three and a half was way, way, way too juicy for me. And I really do like this spot for the Eagles. I looked at the board. I was trying to figure out what my favorite bet was for our staff post at thelines.com this week, and I couldn't get off this because I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the when these two teams played last year, it was a 44-6 to beatdown where the Eagles barely had to pass the ball. And coming into that game, it was when the Eagles weren't even playing well. So what's changed for these two rosters to the point where this line has only moved a half to a full point one year later? Well, the Eagles are significantly improved on defense they added a ton of talent they are a consensus top 10 defensive line they are top five by sharp football for their front seven they added Hassan Reddick in free agency back-to-back 10 sacks to that front seven and then if you look at their secondary if you're excited about Amon Ross St. Brown because Jamison Williams isn't there yet for Detroit in their wide receiver core the Eagles already had a top five corner in Darius Slay they go out and add Bradbury and also uh, Chauncey I'm blanking on his name here, but uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, my mistake. So very solid secondary to go top to bottom on this defense to a Lions unit that you just described is already banged up at the one unit where they look strong coming into the season. So now flip to the other side of the ball. The Lions are not very good and don't have much talent on defense either. This is a bottom 10 front seven. It is a bottom 10 secondary the Eagles add A.J. Brown in the offseason, a top-five graded receiver by PFF, and he's facing either Jeffrey Okuda, who gave up 12.6 yards per target last year, or Amani Oruari, the other corner, who gave up 9.1 yards per target. So I think the Eagles can do literally whatever the hell they want in this game with a consensus top-two offensive line, and a quarterback in Jalen Hurts in the second half of last year was top-10 in both dropback EPA and also success rate. And if they decide to run the ball, the Eagles were top five in rush EPA and success rate. So I literally look at this game from an on-field matchups handicapping perspective and cannot figure out how the Lions are going to stay in it. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Adam, if we take a look here, it's it's one of those things where I, I'm actually kind of, I'm not going to say bullish, but I actually think that this Lions team could certainly be uh, let's call them annoying for teams throughout the course of the season. I think there's just enough talent on this team to where they're not going to just get beat down on the reg. But that being said, again, you're they're going to be hobbling into this game with this offensive line that, again, was supposed to be what was what why we were liking this Lions team. It's like, okay, hey, look, if Jared Goff isn't running for his life, then, hey, we've seen this guy be able to stay in the pocket and actually make throws here and there. And, 
and whatnot. But if you go into this one against this defense, against this defensive line with a cobbled together last minute offensive line for the Lions, I think this just spells disaster for for this team specifically with Jared Goff turning the ball over, strip sacks, interceptions, bad decisions, all different things like that. So just impossible for me to make a case here for the Lions. Well, Matt, you made a very astute observation when you talked about going from three and a half to four on this game because we need to add a word there, going back to four, right? Mm -hmm. Like this was one that opened four and a half uh, and the Lions hype ended up seeing this thing bet down. Now we come back toward four and we're kind of settling back into where the market believed this game was going to be in the first place. There are times you just have to kind of trust your numbers. And and to me, this is a trust my numbers game where I'm going to pass on it because of where my power ratings fall. Uh, I have this number at three and a half, four being just about right. And I'm going to pass on it for that reason. Now, there's a reason I said trust the numbers, because everything you guys just mentioned about the eye test with Philadelphia the second half of last year and Detroit, I think would lead you to say, yeah, this could be Philadelphia in a big way. What concerns me a little bit about the Eagles is the fact that the pickup they had in their efficiency last year was based on an increase in the run game. And I don't know how sustainable that is year to year unless you're rolling out an elite run game. Uh, maybe some of that is is built on the fact that Jalen Hurts can add to that run game, right? But as you mentioned a moment ago, Jalen Hurts is definitely a guy I want to see do it. Um, do I believe he's going to do it this week? Yeah, I do. I don't believe it enough to get my money involved in this one. So ultimately, I'll pass on the game, but uh, I see where you guys are going. Jared Goff, if you're looking at PFF passer grades last season, where he had a fairly average year. I mean, listen, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't good, but he wasn't terrible. Uh, passing grade of 68.8 when kept clean under pressure. That fell over 20 points to 48.3 in their uh, in their passing grade. So again, just a guy that and we 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 knew this when he was in LA. It's not it's no different in Detroit. Just under pressure, just doesn't handle it very well and doesn't play very well. So uh, I hate it for this Lions team because, hey, look, I think Dan Campbell is is awesome. Now that I've watched Hard Knocks, I'd run through a wall for him, but uh, doesn't look like it's going to pan out here in week one anyway. You're listening to the Lions.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins. This is a game that has now moved through the key number of three all the way to three and a half in favor of the Dolphins. 46 and a half is your total. Adam, we know there are betting groups out there. Well, this is one of those things that happened. One of those big influential betting groups put out a release on the Dolphins. And with that, this number blasted through the three and has moved to the three and a half. And I don't know if we're going to get this thing back 
to a three if you were looking to play the Dolphins. So if you hesitated, you lost on this one. New England Patriots coming in with a lot of question marks, in mainly from an offensive standpoint. We've heard a lot of the reports coming out of camp that Mac Jones was struggling. They were trying to figure out who actually was even going to be the play caller and all those things now that Daniels is out of there. So we do have all of that that is going on with this team. That being said, three and a hook, and you seem to uh, you seem to like it. At some point, I'm going to take both narratives and say I'm going to go against both of them. Uh, because mm-hmm. to me, there's more hype on the Dolphins than I think there should be because I truly do not see it with Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, that to me is more than anything why I'll take the hook in this game. And it is the hook, by the way. I'm not playing yeah. this three. Uh, I'm playing this three and a half. And I don't have to go a lot farther than week one of last year when these teams got together and Mac Jones was a rookie quarterback. Yes, I know there's a major difference in terms of head coach and in terms of the fact that uh, Tyreek Hill is now in Miami. But is Tyreek Hill worth more to this spread than Tua Tagovailoa is? And no. No, not at all. And so they played a very close game last year that, frankly, Miami only won because New England fumbled the ball late in the game when they were going down for what would have been the winning score. So I don't think there's that much difference between these teams. Now, the narratives all make a lot of sense, right? I am a Giants fan. I had to watch Joe Judge call a quarterback (laughs) sneak on third and long. I understand just how bad it can be. Matt Patricia was a disaster as the head coach of the Lions. But don't we think at some point here that Bill Belichick might have something on us? That at some point here, we've seen Bill Belichick be good long enough that he's not going to entrust his offense this way to a couple of guys who he knows are not the guys to run it in the long term. That being said, uh, New England at three and a half. Yes, New England at three. No, I don't need to add a lot more than that other than two, even more than I just said about Jalen Hurts. You're going to have to show it to me, man. I, I, I don't see it. I, I don't think the depth of target has been long enough. That'll obviously change with Tyreek Hill. But let me add one thing to that. If Patrick Mahomes was not able to get the most out of Tyreek Hill, why are we believing that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the guy to get the most out of Tyreek Hill if teams choose to play the same kind of coverage against Miami that they did against Kansas City last year? Steven, for me, this is one of the games. There are a couple of games on the slate this week where I just am totally perplexed. I don't have a real good opinion one way or other, and and this is kind of one of those games. I mean, I look, I'm down on the Dolphins, I think, as a whole comparatively to the rest of the world out there, but look, no Byron Jones for the Dolphins. He's on the pup list to start the year. Will it take a little while for Tua to get adjusted to kind of the new offense? Like, there's just a lot, you know, the new coach, new offense, new different things that are going on with this Dolphins team. I think I like what they did overall, but will that click right out of the gate here in week one against one of the greatest, if not the greatest coaches of all time? It's just a lot for me to try to speculate on here. So, again, just... A really interesting game that I'm super excited to watch because I do want to see what these teams look like on the field considering all of what we've heard in the offseason. Just nothing that's going to make my account this week. Sometimes on this show, we also talk about what we definitely don't want to bet on. And for me, it's Tua with a rookie head coach week one up against Bill Belichick. No -hmm. thanks. I'm good. Covering three and a half, by the way. Not just two and a half what it was earlier. To me, it's clear that this line has moved through the three 
based on all of the offseason speculation and smoke out of New England about Matt Patricia and Joe Judge having this weird hybrid offensive coordinator situation. They didn't pick a guy to just straight up replace Josh McDaniels. And there's a new report out from the Athletics Patriots beat writer just this morning as we record saying, quote, it has gone so poorly that there are questions about whether the Patriots might scrap this new scheme if it doesn't find success early in the season, end quote. So I don't think they're going to scrap it for week one, but it is at least in the range of outcomes that we get patricia or judged in week one here. Uh, and, and it doesn't look great, but I'm never laying three and a half with Tua in a new scheme here, considering that if you just look at the numbers to drive home Adam's point, this is a quarterback last year for his rankings in specific situations by EPA per attempt. He ranked 19th or worse among quarterbacks on first downs inside the pocket without play action on early downs under pressure and when planted. So not great. In fact, Mac Jones, by comparison, as a rookie, mind you, was sixth on first down, 16th inside the pocket, 11th without play action on early downs, 13th under pressure, and third when passing on the move. So, yes, there are concerns here. A lot of smoke over the past month uh, about just the scheme and the coaching here for the offense. But um, I would only be interested in, in New England three and a half here. And clearly, People agree with Adam as well because this line has moved Friday morning off plus three and a half, minus 110. Starting to see some minus 115s now. Wouldn't surprise me if we just settle on a three here come kickoff. Yeah, it was for me. I mean, you know, look, there's everything that you see and everything that you look at. It just tells you like, oh, this should be the Dolphins, right? I mean, you bring in Tyreek Hill. You add Melvin Ingram on the defensive side of the ball. You bring in Teron Armstead on the offensive line. You, you know, it's like all this stuff just points Dolphins, Dolphins, Dolphins. But then it's like, okay, if they had Byron Jones out there, and if it was Byron Jones and Xavier Howard out on the corners, and it's like, okay, Mac Jones, you prove to me that you can go beat this team. That it, it all, it is what it is. But no Byron Jones, so they can just kind of avoid Xavier Howard and then throw just away from him and all that. Bill Belichick's smart enough to do that. He's just going to look out there every time. So wherever Howard at, we're just going to go the other side. I mean, like we're just not going to go at this dude and. We're going to make this as easy on Mac Jones as humanly possible. Just too much for me to get there. That being said, a very, very respected group did come out and put that play out on the Dolphins, which is what blew this thing through that number. Um, and so they at least liked it at two and a half. I probably, I can only imagine they would not like it, though, at three and a half. Baltimore Ravens at the New York Jets. The Ravens are seven-point favorites at every book except for one out there, and that one is going to hit seven as well. It's heavily juiced six and a half at minus 118. This might actually make it to seven and a half by the time it's all said and done. A couple of the books already showing some 115s on this seven out there. 44, 44 and a half is your total. So if we take a look at this one, um, Stephen, I mean, uh, Adam, I, I want to start with you here on this one because this is like the classic thing of Joe Flacco's going to be starting for the Jets. We see this thing move from six and a half to seven, maybe even moving to seven and a half now in favor of the Ravens as opposed to Zach Wilson. But what do we really think the gap is between Flacco and Zach Wilson? I don't know if the gap is as massive maybe as people are making this out to be when there was even the rumor that Zach Wilson was going to be back. This thing started coming off the seven and going back down to like the six and a half number, which I thought was just wacky to me. But uh, look, 
I would not play the Ravens here. The Ravens, an anchor in teasers for me this week. Getting them from the seven down to the one, I, I am absolutely in love with. They're going to win this game. I guess my question is, is do they win this game by more than a touchdown? And I'll admit, I was I was not willing to to go with that type of conviction and put that in the account. But as a teaser leg, love, love, love the Ravens this week. So, Matt, when I do my power ratings, I'm very disciplined in not looking at other power ratings when I put my initial number together, right? Then I'll start looking back and saying, okay, how far off the market am I? Because yeah. you have to know that, right? Like, you have to know how your numbers relate to the market because you have to be willing to look at your own numbers and say, why am I that far off the market? Well, I'm that far off the market on the Baltimore Ravens, and I know why. It's because I think Lamar Jackson is going to have an MVP-level season this year, and I think that the Baltimore Ravens are a team that people just don't know what to do with. They don't know how to value them because they look at Lamar and they don't see him as the traditional quarterback that a lot of other teams have. Now, that being said, I'm not playing it at the 7, but I love the fact that it got to the 7 because of the teaser potential here, right? Mm -hmm. I have it in teaser as well, and the reason that you play this at the seven as opposed to the six and a half. And you'll hear us harp on these numbers all year long. It's going to be like person, woman, man, camera, TV. You're going to hear three, seven, six, 14, 10, three, seven, six, 14, 10. Since the extra point was moved back, those are in order, the most common final score margins in the NFL. And so in order to play the teaser, you want to get the three and the seven, because the three and the seven give you the most value in that teaser. So once it gets to seven, you are now getting roughly 20% of outcomes from that time period that I just mentioned. So I don't need to make you a case on the Jets. The Jets are the Jets. I think the Jets are going to be horrendous this year, whether it's Flacco or whether it's Zach Wilson. Uh, the Mekhi Becton injury is obviously huge for them right. in terms of the progression of whichever quarterback they're going to have there. So uh, I don't, the, look, I'm high on Baltimore. I'll, I'll explain why in, uh, in matchups that matter more than this one as we go on. Yeah, I think that this is a win for sure. I mean, do they cover the seven? It's kind of like I was talking about in some of these other games. Like, Steven, to me, it's like if they cover the seven, it's not going to be seven. It's going to be covered. I mean, they're going to cover this by 14, right? Like, I mean, this seems to me like if they if they come out and win this game, it's because Baltimore not only is the better team, they are, like, obviously the better team. And with that, they come in and just absolutely curb stomp this this Jets team that, again, dealing with a ton of injuries on that offensive line already not going to be great for a guy like Joe Flacco with no mobility whatsoever. So um, probably my favorite teaser leg of the week, maybe the one other that we'll talk about a little bit later, but I just getting the Ravens down to one just seems like the most amazing play to me. We are unanimous on the Ravens yeah. teaser leg. And just one other thing to note here, the jets, I thought the one area that might be above average or just as a collective might be passable and, and you know, useful week to week is their wide receiver core. I think they do have talent there, but they're playing a team that, lest we forget, is one of the best secondaries when healthy in the NFL. In fact, PFF has this graded going into this season as the number one secondary in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Sharp Football has it top five. 
All these guys were injured last year. Marcus Peters is back. Marlon Humphrey is there. Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams at the safety. Kyle Fuller is a solid nickel. So the one saving grace for the Jets offense coming into this game with their wide receiver core, I think is going to get neutralized by an elite secondary. So I, I can't find any reason to, to you know, I, I, we, to, to use Adam's point, he mentioned this the other day in our, in our chat. It's week one. We've missed football for a long time. Let's not waste it betting on the Jets. Yeah. How about this? How about this? They drafted Kyle Hamilton. They they like have too many people in the secondary almost. Yeah. Like like I they're like they they don't even know where where all these guys are going to play. They have so much talent in the secondary. So yeah, I mean it's a good problem to have in today's NFL. That's for sure. Good luck on moving the football for this for this uh, for this Jets team again. Offensive line woes to start the year for them. So I I can't imagine that this is going to be easy sledding. I think is going to be quite the opposite here. We are all 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 loving this teaser leg here with the Ravens Jags at the commanders. And this is an interesting one. This has come off of the three. It is now two and a half in favor of the commanders. The Jaguars taking a bunch of money. This was another release by another influential betting group out there that took the Jags at the three and knocked this thing down to the two and a half 43 and a half to 44 is your total here. So, Steven, we take a look. The Jags cannot be worse than they were last year. And I'm actually giving the Jags the benefit of the doubt here. And I'm kind of wiping some of the stuff from last year off of the slate because they were just never in a position to succeed. There were rumors coming out that Urban Meyer had lost that locker room before the season even started. And then we know for sure what happened as the season got going, it became a complete joke. He was a joke. These guys didn't respect him. And, of course, that ends up costing him his job. So it's an almost impossible situation for a rookie quarterback to come into when you've got no leadership. You absolutely have no locker room camaraderie around your coach and around your staff and no belief and things like that. And so, for me, I'm kind of looking at this Jags team as just through a lens that's completely clean from anything that I saw last year on the commander side of things. Hey, you went out and got Carson Wentz. Cool. I think that that's at neutral at best, if not in, 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 if anything, in a downgrade for me. Um, I liked it at three a lot. This Jags team, it's off of that. Now I was unable to get to that. So I did pair this Jags team up with a couple of these other legs that we like in, in teasers, getting the two and a half up to the eight and a half. Even if the Commanders win this game and figure out a way, even if we get vintage Carson Wentz pre-injury, I cannot see with what this team has on the field how they are able to blow really anybody out this season. And so with that, I'll gladly take it up to eight and a half, gladly back this this Jag team that I actually really like what they did in the offseason. I really like what they did in the draft. And so uh, I think they're going to surprise some people, kind of like the Lions. I think they're going to be annoying all all year long. Yeah, this is a team I'm going to look to back as a dog at various points throughout this season, especially in the first half. But for week one, I think we should all I think we would all agree that the range of outcomes here is still pretty wide with the new regime and a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who we all thought was going to be a very solid quarterback coming out. Perhaps it clicks in week one. Perhaps this is still a work in progress. We just have really no way of knowing going into the first week of the season. So at this point, 
I did bet this three and a half, but sometimes when we record the show on Fridays, that number is going to be gone. Right now, you're looking at two and a half. I would not bet the Jaguars at plus two and a half. I would only consider a teaser leg, but considering the range of outcomes I just talked about, I think it is a dangerous teaser leg. I think that there is volatility here. So I think in a, in a slate where we really have, to Adam's point, eight different teams that fit the mold as a teaser leg, there's plenty of other options to choose from than, than having to force Jacksonville in into a two-leg teaser here. So no interest for me on this one. Uh, but to your point with Washington, I'm going to look to fade them as a favorite throughout the season. I bet them under the win total. Carson Wentz is one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks. His numbers were worse than Taylor Heineke at multiple levels in terms of average depth of target. And it might be as early as next week when they open on the look ahead as a small favorite against the Detroit Lions on the road. Adam, look, Doug Peterson to from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson is just an infinite upgrade right off the bat for this Jags team. You bring in Brandon Sheriff on the offensive line. Look, no matter what you think about whether they paid him too much money or not, Christian Kirk has been productive in the NFL. So, like, like, like let's just – I don't want the – I don't want the contract to, like – for whatever reason, I think people, like, look at people's talent level based off of their contract. And it's like, that's not what we should be doing when we're handicapping games. Like, that doesn't matter to us. If a team overpays for a guy, it, it just is what it is. Christian Kirk has been productive – at the NFL level, you bring him in at the wide receiver position. You got Folo there on the defensive line. You got Darius Williams at corner. So they made some upgrades. Arden Key is going to be in there on the rotation. Again, no matter what you th- if they paid him too much money or not, Zay Jones as a fourth option is not a bad thing. Again, he doesn't have to be a primary receiver or anything like that for this squad. Then Trayvon Walker and, and Devin Lloyd in the first round with two first round picks. Like I think, and, and basically another first-round pick because you're getting Travis Etienne back who never played a game for you last season. So, I mean, you can basically count that as, as a new draft pick for you too or a free agency signing. I I think that this Jags team is, is pretty interesting, and I certainly can't see a scenario in which this commander squad blows them out of the water. When I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars for this year, I see one of the biggest questions in all of the NFL, and I think it's my, maybe a top-10 storyline in the league this year. Who's Trevor Lawrence? Mm-hmm. We need to find out the answer this year. We had no chance to learn who Trevor Lawrence was last year. So you can look at a bunch of stats and talk about him leading the NFL in interceptions. I don't care. Don't throw any of those stats at me from year one because there's so little that we can use that is stable to evaluate Trevor Lawrence from last year. Now, look at what you just mentioned in terms of who they have catching the football. If we want to find out who Trevor Lawrence is, one of the biggest things we need to have is receivers who can separate and give Trevor Lawrence a place to throw the ball. Now, I'm not going to tell you that anyone that they have catching the ball is a number one receiver in the NFL, but this might be one of the more impressive collections of twos and threes who are being paid as ones, but they are guys who can separate a little bit in the NFL. If it's Kirk, if it's Jones, if it's Marvin Jones, uh, for that matter, if it's Evan Ingram mm-hmm. coming over from the Giants, you mentioned Etienne, uh, who was overdrafted, obviously, but has talent. And so you see a lot of guys who are going to give Trevor Lawrence looks. Now, is Washington the defense to cause them problems? Well, especially no while Chase Young is still out, right? And they don't have that fearsome front seven that we saw a couple of years ago that caused a lot of problems for other teams. So... I have the Jaguars in teaser leg at plus eight and a half. In fact, Jags-Ravens is probably my favorite uh, combination for a teaser Mm -hmm. this week. Uh, The other side of this is Carson Wentz. And is he going to be an upgrade in Washington? He has to be over Taylor Heineke. But by how much? 
Not a lot. In fact, I have these two teams power rated right next to each other. Uh, I have about a half point difference between Washington and Jacksonville coming into this season. And if we are to say, okay, is Carson Wentz going to be better? Okay, fine. If you're a person who believes that, then you can believe that. Mm -hmm. Who knows Carson Wentz very well, Matt? Uh, the new Doug head Peterson. coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson, knows Carson Wentz about as well as you can know someone. So for this week in particular, I understand if you don't want to get involved at the two and a half versus the three. And by the way, if you're new to all this, understand how big a move that is. When it, anything that comes off a three, either direction, that's a major move for the sports book because of how likely the three is as an outcome. For this week, though, I don't see eight and a half points of difference between Jacksonville and Washington. Yeah, not me neither. I love this one as well. Have it in a mul multiple different ways. And I again, I can be proven wrong. Carson Wentz proved me wrong, but I think he's a bottom I think he's a bottom 6 quarterback in all the NFL and before the season's over, I think I think not only do we see Heineke, I think we see Howell as well before it's over with there in Washington. Cleveland Browns at the Carolina Panthers. And you want to talk about narratives and storylines as we enter week one. How about this game? Uh, Deshaun Watson not going to be in there for the first 11 games for this Browns team as he is suspended. So it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. And then on the other side, whether he, he would have won it, he would have won the job regardless, but it didn't really matter because you ended up having basically no quarterback competition there in the Panthers after all. And we have Baker Mayfield who's going to be going for Carolina. Now, this odd, the, the, these lines are pretty wacky right now, guys, and this is all can be found as of this recording again on Friday morning. It's a pick at DraftKings. It's a point and a half in favor of the Panthers at MGM. It's a point and a half in favor of the Browns at oh FanDuel. Like, no one can decide where this game is going to go. Nobody can decide what's going on with this one. Adam, you're the one with a bet in pocket on this thing, so uh, let's talk about it. Get the best Cleveland money line you can. That's my view on this overall. Uh, Baker Mayfield can talk all he wants about effing up the Cleveland Browns. Uh, there's a reason that Baker Mayfield's no longer the quarterback in Cleveland. Now, I'm higher on Baker as a quarterback, just empirically as a quarterback, than I think a right. lot of other people are. I think Carolina might be just good enough to not be bad this year. Uh, that being said, a lot of other people think this is going to be one of the worst rosters in the NFL, and that's where I'm going to let the market dictate for me. Cleveland is not one of those rosters. Cleveland, outside of quarterback, continues to be one of the most talented rosters in all of the NFL, and at some point, you have to look at the difference 2 through 53 on the roster and say, okay, who's eventually going to be determining this game, right? It's not going to be Baker Mayfield. It's not going to be Jacoby Brissett. It probably is going to be the Cleveland offensive line and the Cleveland running game that determines the outcome of this game in the end. And that's where I think the talent gap is massive. Yes, I understand that Carolina with Brian Burns up front is front seven, probably the best group they have uh, overall. That being said, when this Cleveland running game is right, it is very right. So I think get the best price on a Cleveland money line that you can. Uh, to me, this would not be like a big five-star lock of the century, lock of the week sort of thing. But if you want to get involved in this, Cleveland's aside for me. Yeah, Stephen, I know that you also have some interest here on the Cleveland side of things. I mean, look, I, I think if you just look personnel for personnel, it really, the difference comes on the defensive side of the ball here. I mean, with Garrett and Clowney and Ward and Newsom, and let's forget, let's not forget Johnson and Delpit back there at safeties. They got a really good linebacking core 
for Cleveland as well. Like I just struggle to find where the Panthers are going to be able to put up just a ton of points in this thing. I know it's just a cut, but uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey did end up on the injury report. I guess a, he got gashed in the shin with a cleat, and so he kind of popped up on the injury report there as well for them. But a, a solid offensive line that we're looking at with Wills and Batonio and, and, and Teller and Conklin and two of the best running backs, you know, maybe the best running back tandem in the NFL Jacoby Brissett's not going to have to do a whole bunch. Like, I think people are, as Adam said, like, you know, people are pointing to this and going, it's Jacoby Brissett. Uh, like, I don't think Joe, Jacoby Brissett is going to come into the decision of this game. The decision is going to be, is this offensive line as good as we think they are as and as good as on paper shows? And if that's the case, then we're going to have Hunt and Chubb just go and do what they do and, you know, sprinkle a tiny bit of Amari Cooper in there. And I think that's going to be enough. I have it as a teaser leg at plus seven and a half. There is one opportunity left on the on the board as we record at BetMGM to get them to plus seven and a half. Other than that, that opportunity is gone. So hopefully when you're listening, there is still a book out there that will let you tease this because I think it's a perfect teaser leg in a game with a low total. And we talked about key numbers with Adam on teasers. Totals are important in that factor too because the lower the total, the more valuable the points that you're buying. Mo Noir, our senior writer, puts out a teaser post each week. This is one of his additions. Make sure you find that at thelines.com. But one of the things he noted is that Jacoby Brissett's 1.4% interception percentage just sits a hair above a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. So he knows how to protect the football. And by the way, Baker Mayfield's interception percentage is double that. The Panthers' offensive line is outside the top 20 in preseason grades. And Baker Mayfield last year was 37th among quarterbacks in EPA per attempt when pressured. Jacoby Brissett was 17th. So given what they have to work with around them, and given the fact that the Browns have a top five front seven and a consensus top five secondary, I'm not sure Baker Mayfield's in the better situation or the better talent considering Mm -hmm. all the other factors around him in their respective offenses. So, uh, yeah, I, I do have an over five and a half on the Panthers this year because I thought their quarterback play was so garbage last year that asking for one more win with Baker Mayfield wasn't a lot to ask. But the roster's just too good for Cleveland, and I don't care that Jacoby Brissett's the quarterback. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa in Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. This one has interestingly moved against me and against the, you know, kind of anchor for a bunch of the teasers that I started this week was taking the Colts from eight down to two. 
which I thought was a gift. Now we look up, and this thing is seven pretty much across the board now in favor of the Colts, a total of 45.5 or 46. Steven, I'm going to start with you here because you have the most interesting play maybe of the week uh, on our on any of our cards, and that is you coming in and planting your flag <laughs> to back to back this Houston team at seven and a half. Again, there is a seven and a half still available out there if you wanted to play with Steven along uh, in this one. I turn it over to you, my friend. Well, let's mention it again. Some trends we care about a little bit, or at least make us look more into the handicap, and others we don't give a damn about. And we'll we'll say it again. Since 2009, division home underdogs in week one are 19-5 and five against the spread. Now let's do the handicap, because I do think, and I agree with Eli Hershkovich, our lead writer, who has this as part of his best bets column on thelines.com, that the Texans, on offense at least, have a lot of continuity coming into the year. Davis Mills showed some promise in the back half of last year after not getting an offseason in a training camp to get ready. He has that now this year. New head coach, but same offensive coordinator in Pep Hamilton. And I do think they have a promising number two wide receiver in second-year man Nico Collins, who has a rookie almost matched Brandon Cooks in yards per target. He just didn't get a lot of snaps as a rookie. But when he did, he was effective. So uh, if, if we just look at this board conceptually overall, Matt and Adam, for week one, the Bears offense is only a six-and-a-half or seven-point home dog to the 49ers. The Jets are a seven-point dog at home to the Ravens with Joe Flacco. The Seahawks are six-and-a-half-point home dogs to the Broncos. Is the Texans' offense better than those underdogs? I think they are better than the Bears, Jets, and Seahawks' offenses. Should the Colts be rated in about the same tier as the 49ers, Ravens, and Broncos? I say yes. I don't have them significantly higher than those teams. So why were the Texans seven-and-a-half where I bet them? I don't know. So I bet it. And I think seven is is a fair price for this game. So, Adam, I'm gonna listen again. I'm 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 in the tank here for Colts teaser legs, and if Colts don't cover two this week, it's going to be a bad week for me. Like there's no doubt about that. It's like I am an all or nothing, as you guys well know, because you guys know me very well. If you're watching this for the first time, I'm kind of an all or nothing guy when it comes to weeks. In the NFL, I'm going to have awesome weeks or I'm going to have horrible weeks. And so this is kind of the key game here that could make this week horrible for me. I mean, look, I think the Texans are okay at best. I mean, the offensive line is going to be terrible. And when the offensive line is terrible and you have a quarterback that was graded 35th out of 37, according to Pro Football Focus last year. By the way, you know there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the in the NFL, and he was 35th. But it, that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I just can't I can't find my way to get in there. Matt Ryan is just an infinite upgrade to me for this offense that I liked last year anyway, even with Carson Wentz, and I hate Carson Wentz. And so I, I'm I think this Colts team is going to be super super strong this year. And again, it's another one of those where you don't have to really be a genius to figure this out. I mean, you've got Jonathan Taylor, you got Matt Ryan, you got Pittman. Keep it simple, move on, beat the team that you're supposed to beat and and and, and like don't get exotic here and save any of the trick plays and all that stuff for when you actually need it. I think this could be just a nice kind of comprehensive beatdown for the Colts. Matt, when I look at my numbers, as I mentioned earlier, with Baltimore, and I see a team that I'm way higher on than the market, 
that makes me excited to bet that team early, right? Maybe I have a feeling for something early that someone else doesn't. On the flip side, when I'm much lower on a team than the market, I respect the market enough to say, I'm going to stay away from that one until the market tells me uh, a little bit more and the team tells me a little bit more, more importantly. I'm lower on the Colts than a lot of people uh, by a, mm. by a fair amount. I don't see a lot of daylight between Philip Rivers a couple of years ago and Matt Ryan uh, in terms of at the helm of this offense. Now, obviously, it's a big upgrade over Carson Wentz. I think that's fair to say, but we also have to remember this team didn't make the playoffs last year, right? So how big of an upgrade is it? Uh, does it make them good enough to win the AFC South? Yeah, probably it does, but that's a lot in large part by default because of the rest of this division and the fact that the Tennessee Titans literally don't have anybody to catch the ball this year. So this particular week... I'm staying away from it. And what Steven was referencing with uh, our Slack chat earlier this week is that, yes, I love football. No, I do not love football enough to be sweating the Houston Texans plus the points at any point on a Sunday afternoon. So if I look at the numbers that I made for the beginning of the year, I think this number is just about right. Uh, and I have Houston as the worst team in the NFL. So I don't know that I can look at anything other than I don't think Indianapolis is as good as the market believes it is, but I'm willing to trust the market. And I think Houston is a team that is literally not trying to win this year. And when you have a team that's not trying to win, that is going to continue to push itself toward the top of the draft, that is a team that worries me in terms of backing them as a dog. New York football giants on the road at the Tennessee Titans right now. Five and a half point favorites are the Tennessee Titans at home. A total of 43 and a half or 44, depending on where you get it. I talked about to you guys, there are a few games this week in which I have absolutely no opinion whatsoever. This being one of them, I will go to Steven because Steven does have a bet in on this game. I can just give you my macro thoughts. I'm lower on the Titans than everybody coming into the season. I'm a little bit higher on the Giants than everybody coming into the season, but the spread seemed about right to me because I still think there's a ton of, ton of question marks around the Giants, and if things don't go correctly, then I do think that this could kind of get off the rails for them. So, again, a game that I will sit back, watch, try to evaluate what I see on the field, and are the Titans as bad as I think they are? Are the Giants a little bit better like I think they are? Did I completely miss the boat on both of these teams? But just no bet for me this week, but you are going to come in on the dog. Yeah, I don't know how helpful this is to our to our listeners. This game opened at six and a half. I bet it at six, and now we're basically five and a half across the board. So you're not getting the yeah. best of the number here with the Giants. And this is a good reason why we actually launched a sister podcast that you guys can listen to. It comes out on Tuesdays. It's called Beat the Closing Line, where we're going to have an earlier look during the week to try and get ahead of some of this line movement for you guys. But as we record this on a Friday morning, yeah, it's the worst of the number for the Giants, so I wouldn't bet it at this point. But overall, Matt, I'm just looking for reasons to fade the Titans this year. I think they took a big step back in terms of their roster. It only got worse in the preseason with the loss of Harold Landry, their top pass rusher and a pro bowler a year ago. And I do think the New York Giants offensive line is better. They, they have better pass-catching weapons with Brian Dable as well pulling the strings. I have huge respect for him and what he did as an offensive play caller and getting Josh Allen from looking like a below average quarterback to maybe the best in the NFL at this point. So I'm trying to find reasons on the flip side of trying to find reasons to fade the Titans. I'm looking for reasons to be bullish about the Giants this year. So in that offensive line, Evan Neal, I think is a promising rookie 
Andrew Thomas, after a tough rookie year in year two, he only allowed 18 pressures on 517 pass blocking snaps. So I think this is a spot where I want to back the dog, and I have. I bet it at six, but I don't blame anybody for not wanting to bet it now when you're getting the worst of the number on a team with some some uncertainties coming in with a year one head coach. And Daniel Jones still the quarterback who has fumbled from time to time. Yeah, Adam, I mean, look, you don't have a play on this. It is your team. So, I mean, I, I just some quick macro thoughts here. I mean, for me, we'll find out. Like, I mean, if Daniel Jones has any talent whatsoever, Dayball will find it. And if that's the case, then maybe this team overperforms. If he is just absolute gutter trash, then, you know, I think this team has bottom five in the league potential if Daniel Jones is absolutely terrible. But, again, I, I just – I need to sit back, evaluate, and kind of see what happens on the field first. Yeah, and that's just it. And uh, for those new to this whole thing, I am a Giants fan, and mm -hmm. I'm not ready to sell on Daniel Jones entirely at this point, uh, but I am willing to buy on Brian Dable. And granted, Dable is not going to be the one calling the plays early in the year. That's going to be Mike Kafka, who came over from running the uh, quarterback's room for the Kansas City Chiefs. And apparently that was part of the deal for Mike Kafka coming over was that he was going to get to run plays initially uh, behind Brian Dable. Now, five and a half is a dead number, right? There's really nothing to gain from playing that number either direction. I don't believe that the Tennessee Titans are going to be good this year. In fact, when I look at the three teams that I am far lower on than the market, Tennessee is one of them. Uh, I do not believe that what they've done in the offseason is going to pan out. Uh, I think Traylon Burks is going to be one of the most disappointing rookies uh, in the NFL. Uh, I don't know what Robert Woods is going to be able to come back and do. Uh, if you think Nick Westbrook-Akine is going to be someone who helps, then I got a big thumbs up for you. Yeah. Um, like This is yeah. not a team that I see being able to produce offensively. Uh, do you think that Derrick Henry is the, one of the best running backs in the NFL? It's fine if you do, but the evidence is overwhelming. The wheels eventually fall off on every great running back in the league, and... They fall off fast. It's never like, oh, they went from five yards a carry to four and a half yards a carry. It's they went from five yards a carry to 3.7 yards per carry. It's that sort of thing. When you just off. wake up old one day. You just, yeah, I mean, like, like, yeah. like you and me. And so yeah. you, you wake up old one day, and there we are. So may I quote from you, uh, from Megan Trainer, very quickly. Um, <laughs> I want to make sure that people understand my, my pass on this game. My name is no. My sign is no. My number is no. You need to let it go. Uh, this is not a game I want anything to do with. Oh, line's really bad in front of Derrick Henry now, too. Consensus bottom six offensive mm -hmm. line. Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. This is a game that I love because we do have some differing opinions on this one. I am all in on the Vikings this season. I'm all in on the Vikings. Not only in this game, I'm all in on the Vikings long term as well. You get me Mike Zimmer out of town. You bring in two coaches from the Rams, who have had a ton of success utilizing alpha wide receivers. And with that, I think this Minnesota team has immaculate, immaculate upside um, for me. Point and a half favorites right now are the Green Bay Packers, though. My screen's lighting up left and right over here as this thing toggles back and forth between one and one and a half. One at DraftKings right now, one and a half at BetMGM again. Shop around, depending on which side you want to go to on this. 46 and a half or 47 is your total adam i'll start with you you and i on different sides on this one you are coming in on the Devonte adamless green bay packers on the road i'm coming in on the green bay packers defense uh more than anything else and let me be clear 
this is the play this week that I have the least amount of confidence in. It's the one that if you asked me cut one thing off the card, this would be the one that I would cut off the card. Mm -hmm. I am, like you, higher on Minnesota than most. It's just that I am also really high on what this Green Bay defense can be. And if they are as good as they appear to be, then sticking Jair Alexander on Justin Jefferson, I think could be a Jalen Ramsey kind of neutralizer. We'll see how good Kevin O'Connell is going to be at getting Justin Jefferson the ball in different ways. There's been a lot of talk this preseason about Kevin O'Connell looking at Justin Jefferson the way that they used to look at Cooper Cup and saying, let's not line him up in the same place every time. Let's find different ways to get him involved, which means maybe you don't have Jair Alexander on him all game, but I need to see it before I'm willing to get in there on Minnesota. Now, look, full disclosure, I made this exact same mistake last year. I backed Green Bay as a short favorite on the road in Minnesota. It did not go my way. Uh, that being said, this to me, again, is a matter of getting involved with two narratives that I think have gotten too far out of control in both directions. I think there is still a reasonable gap here between Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. I think the Green Bay defense is going to be enough against the Vikings offensive line that is definitely a prove-it offensive line this year for me to say. I think that I'll take Aaron Rodgers as a point-and-a-half favorite on the road. That being said... I don't love this one as much as I do some others. Steven, you and I are simpatico here, although I played Minnesota just straight as two-point underdogs. I also have them in a ton of teaser legs. You also have them in a couple of teaser legs. Look, it's very simple for me. I mean, I think us just kind of blowing off the the production that Devontae Adams brings to this offense is, is, is a fool's errand here. I mean, like, I get it. Aaron Rodgers is awesome. I understand that. 169 targets last year is what Devontae Adams got, and he missed a game. The year before, he missed three games. 149 targets he got by missing three games. Like, this is where this is where Aaron Rodgers goes with the football. And it's like, okay, well, at least he has a familiarity of Alan Lazard still in, in there. He isn't going to play this week. He is going to be running out. Two rookies and two wide receivers who are absolute complete dust left in the NFL. Like, I mean, it is going to be, if they can get this done, then Aaron Rodgers should be anointed the MVP again this season already in week one. That is how amazing I think this feat would be for them to go to Minnesota and beat this Minnesota team that I think is much great, greatly, greatly improved strictly off the coaching change alone. You get Daniil Hunter back on the defensive side of the ball to create all kinds of pressure as well. I love Minnesota in this one. I'd play Minnesota on the money line if I had to, but I'll take the two points, and uh, I love getting them up to eight as well. That Alan Lazard injury, we might see 40 combined touches between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in this one. I mean, yeah. there's nobody else Aaron Rodgers trusts left on this offense unless his tight end Robert Tunyon can, can get back, but he was limited this week trying to come back from an ACL. So even if he does play, we're not talking 100% of snaps here. So the big thing I've been looking at, and I'm sure a lot of other people have been, is the status of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins on the Packers O-line. And there was a positive development there for Green Bay. Matt LaFleur said that they would do team work in practice on Thursday. So that looks like they are trending towards playing in this one. Again, first game back, how effective are they going to be coming back from ACL injuries? So we'll see. Um, I share the concerns about the the Packers' defense against the Vikings' offense, but 
along those lines in Minnesota last year. They moved it well, more than six yards per play with Mike Zimmer running the show. Justin Jefferson, eight catches, 160 yards and 169 yards and two touchdowns. We'll see about Jair Alexander in this one. So those offensive linemen, though, were the big thing for me. Those guys being available was the reason I couldn't pull the trigger on the Vikings as a short dog straight up, but the teaser leg was very attractive to me. Kansas City Chiefs at the Arizona Cardinals right now. Five and a half in favor of the Chiefs. There are some sixes as well. you got to pay a little juice on the five and a half. Six is sitting at 110. 53 and a half to 54, our biggest total on the board of the week. Steven, I will start with you. You are backing the home underdog in this one. What do you like about the Cardinals? Because again, as we know, heading into this season without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the year, and then yesterday Rondell Moore had to leave practice with a hamstring injury, where are they going to and how are they going to score points? You know, to me, I, I understand the concerns. They're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, but this is just such a massive line move for week one with the Kansas City Chiefs that, Matt, you and I talked about. We have concerns about Kansas City being an elite team in this league. Their defense was very much a product of some fortunate red zone and third down defense last year that isn't sticky year over year. The offense, yes, overall, was near the top of the rankings in advanced stats, but they had to do it methodically. They had the fewest offensive possessions in the NFL because the defense couldn't get offenses off the field, and their explosive play rate for the Chiefs offense went way down from like top five levels in the Mahomes era to below average, around 19th in explosive plays. So I think with Kyler Murray healthy is the biggest thing for me in this game. Combine that with the line movement, I mean – Guys, there, there's home dogs this week like the Seattle Seahawks and the Houston Texans that are getting around six, seven points here. The Chicago Bears, six, seven points against very good teams. Matt, if you still agree with me that the Chiefs aren't in that top three tier coming into the season here, then are we really putting the Cardinals in the same category as the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks to start the year? I think six was going too far on this line, so I, I took a little nibble at it. But Kyler Murray, when he's been healthy the past two years, has led a top 10 offense for the Arizona Cardinals. Last year before the injury, Arizona was third and sixth in EPA per play and success rate. Kyler was top five and drop back EPA and success rate. So I just think that the, the line move went too far here. So I'm coming back in on the other side. Yeah, I'm on the Chiefs in this one. Again, yeah, that should tell you something because I'm not high on the Chiefs. But, I mean, if you look at this, just Adam, look, DeAndre Hopkins not going to be out there. Rondell Moore just pulled his hamstring yesterday or at least has something going on. J.J. Watt hadn't practiced in three weeks because of COVID and a calf injury. Rodney Hudson, their best offensive lineman, is uh, doesn't look like he's going to play either. Knee flared up on him. Looks like he's going to miss. Zach Ertz is likely not going to play for this team either because he is dealing with a calf injury as well. And then Marcus Golden, who is definitely their best pass rusher, practiced yesterday for the first time since August the 1st because he's been dealing with foot injuries and things like that. I mean, for me, it's just a walking wounded for the Cardinals. Now, can they get better as the season goes on if these guys get healthy? For sure. But, I mean, look, the one thing I know, whether we believe that this Chiefs team has Super Bowl upside or not, they're at least coming into this thing healthy with the best quarterback in the NFL, and this is a walking mash unit here for the Arizona Cardinals. So, 
give me Mahomes and a healthy team against Arizona and all of these guys that even if they do suit up are going to be, you know, very limited at best. I took a pass on this one, and it's because of all of those injuries in Arizona. I think there are only two ways to play this game if you're going to talk about playing it uh, in terms of a side. I think you're either laying it with Kansas City or you're taking the Arizona money line. Because if you think Arizona has enough in Kyler Murray against what is a rebuilt, once again, uh, Chiefs defense, then you probably believe they have enough to win the game. I don't think you're looking at this saying, oh, I think Arizona can keep it close. No, you you have to take a stand on this one and say, do you think that Kansas City's offense is going to be able to produce without Tyreek Hill? I do. Uh, I do think that Patrick Mahomes with an offense that has had an entire offseason to rebuild around the fact that they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore will be just fine. A lot of it comes back to what we heard Patrick Mahomes talk about this offseason. The fact that it took him a while to accept the fact that the throws that used to be there for him simply weren't there, right? Like he was holding the ball thinking, mm-hmm. okay, eventually Tyreek Hill is going to come open. Eventually, Travis Kelsey is going to be there on that route that Tyreek Hill usually clears out for him, right? And it also led to Patrick Mahomes throwing a few more interceptions. There were a few more fumbles for Kansas City. And once Patrick Mahomes kind of got into the acceptance phase and said, all right, I got to just take what's in front of me, then the Chiefs went back to ripping fools for a lot of the season. So that being said, I don't want it this week because I I do think Kyler Murray is enough of a wild card that I don't want to get involved in laying the points with the Chiefs. That being said, on the other side, uh, with Arizona, there's far too much in terms of variance in injuries for me to want to get involved with the Cardinals. I'll pass. I would be looking at Kelsey props in this one as well. He is going to – I mean, he might get – he might have 15 targets in this game. Seriously. Like, I mean, just just underneath, 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 underneath all day long. Kelsey targets – left and right but do like me some chiefs in this one las vegas raiders at the los angeles chargers a game that is incredibly interesting from many perspectives one being that the chargers might be the most hyped team in the offseason of the nfl in the history of the nfl i mean seriously has there been a team that has been more hyped than this los angeles chargers team i mean it has been crazy and listen i'm gonna tell you guys I kind of buy into it. I mean, like, this is one of those deals where typically I would be all about trying to pick apart, you know, every single reason that everyone is jumping up and down about this team. And instead, all I do is look and say, wow, I actually really do like like what they did right there. And I really like what they did right there. And and it keeps going on and on. And I find myself really kind of liking this team. And so maybe there's a reason not to and you guys can kind of talk me off of it as we sit right now they are three to three and a half point favorites over the Raiders there are some heavily juiced threes out actually just one heavily juiced three out there and then there's mainly three and a halves right now 52 52 and a half is your total Adam let me start with you here of course this Raiders team made a ton of offseason news with their acquisition of Devontae Adams but that wasn't all that they did I mean they did make some other moves, which I think were just maybe because of what everybody else was doing, maybe got a little bit, you know, maybe went a little bit under the radar. But, I mean, look, you, you get Devontae Adams, but you sign Hunter Renfro, you have him there. They, you get Chandler Jones, you bring him in. You bring in Bilal Nichols. I mean, like, these are real signings, right? I mean, these are real guys that can help out. And so I, I get it. We're jumping up and down about what we got from the Chargers, which – J.C. Jackson, 
Sebastian Joseph Day, Khalil Mack. I mean, there's a whole bunch to absolutely love about what what they did. Austin Johnson, I should also say. I mean, so th- they made some noise as well. Where do you rank kind of the off seasons for both of these teams? The Chargers had an off season, Matt, that reminds me a lot of Cincinnati where you look at a team that was already good, building around a young quarterback, taking advantage of the fact that you are not paying that young quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers-level money, and went out and made some moves that fit exactly what they needed. Neither team looked at their roster and said, we're good, we're ascending, and we're good enough. Uh, The Chargers go out and they upgrade on the offensive line by drafting Zion Johnson. They get Khalil Mack, they get... J.C. Jackson, who will not play this week, and I think that's important to, yes. to note uh, that J.C. Jackson will not be on the field to help out against Devontae Adams. Now, on the other side of this, if you don't look at future costs, if you just say, did the Raiders make themselves a better team this year? Yes, mm-hmm. then getting Devontae Adams clearly makes them a better team this year. They already, at this point, have the second most dead cap money of any team going into 2023. So they went all in on this season in a division that does not suggest they should be going all in. Now, you're right. I like the Chandler Jones acquisition. I'm basically going to call Chandler Jones essentially a better version of Yannick Ngakwe at this point, right? You get more pass rush. You get no defense against the run. And paired up with Max Crosby, that gives them two formidable edges. Now, the key problems you have to look at with the Raiders are on the offensive line, which is trending toward being one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And then in the secondary, it's just questions, right? It's absolute questions in the secondary. Can Nate Hobbs be as good as he was as a rookie? Do you get the good Rock Yassin or do you get the Rock Yassin that led the Indianapolis Colts to trade him? Now, why am I leaning, and I'm not going to say heavily on, but leaning toward the Raiders in this spot at three and a half? Same as New England. Not at three, but at three and a half. Uh, I believe that the Devontae Adams connection is one that they are going to force feed this week with Derek Carr to get that off to a good start. And I think he could have an absolutely enormous week. Uh, I do believe that Justin Herbert under pressure is going to be more like the quarterback he was in 2021 than the quarterback he was in 2020. That being said, I don't feel super confident about this one. I will take the three in the hook with uh, Vegas. That's my lean on this one, largely because, as you mentioned, the Chargers are crazy hyped. And again, I might be fading a little bit of that going into this week. So we're, uh, yeah, we're on opposite sides here, though. That said, you know, we could, one could win, one could push, whatever. It's, I, I did take the Chargers as three-point favorites here, and mainly because of what you mentioned. The big question mark about this team is the offensive line. I'm talking about the Raiders, is the offensive line, which I do think is going to be, really really rough at least to start the season maybe they can figure some stuff out some different blocking schemes and stuff along the way but I think it's going to be pretty tough sledding especially when you look at week one where it's Khalil Mack Joey Bosa Jerry Tillery Sebastian Joseph Day Morgan Fox Austin Johnson all coming to town to try and make your life a living hell and so for me I'm kind of betting on those guys having at least a little bit better day than this than this offensive line, which again I think is trending towards being pretty pretty bad, at least at the beginning of the year, maybe they can get something done there. I mean, I just I do look at this, and I think the total I think is appropriate. I think both these teams are going to score. I don't think that this is like oh the Chargers go in and house the Raiders or anything like that. I, I'm not that is not what I'm saying. I just do believe at the end of the shootout when it's all said and done 
that they get the better of it. Steven, what do you what do you look at when you kind of see this Raiders and Chargers matchup here in week one that, again, can actually weirdly in a week one game go a long way in not only shaping our view of these two teams, but maybe even when it's all said and done, as wacky as this division could turn out to be, actually play a role in, in how things turn out. Should be entertaining as hell, but a game that I think has high variance, which led me to not pick a side and, and bet here. I, I agree if I was going to, then the three and a half would be me on the Raiders and the three would be me on the Chargers. That's mm -hmm. I think that's a fair point by both of you. Um, yeah, I mean, to your point, the, the Raiders offensive line was second to last in run block win rate, 21st in pass block win rate. And the Chargers have added Khalil Mack to go with Joey Bosa. So that's that's not going to get any easier in this matchup. On the flip side, the fact that the Raiders can pressure without blitzing has really made Justin Herbert work. They have blitzed at the lowest mm -hmm. rate in the league, which gives them more help in the secondary to combat Herbert in the passing game. And look no further than the amazingly historic, entertaining, almost a tie, and both teams make the playoffs <laughs> last year in the final week of the season. You know, in that game, let's not forget the Chargers trailed by 15 points with eight minutes left in the game, and it took Herbert converting three third or fourth downs to get it within a one-score game, including a fourth and 21 for a 23-yard touchdown. And then the following drive, he picks up a fourth <laughs> and 10, another fourth and 10 via penalty, and a third fourth and 10 on that touchdown drive. And then the final drive to get the kick the field goal to send it to OT, he picked up a fourth and nine on that drive. So a lot had to go right for the Chargers to get to stay in that game. And in those two games against Las Vegas overall, Herbert only averaged six and 5.8 yards per attempt for a quarterback that averaged 7.5 for the season. So I just think these two teams match up very well against each other. I think they have enough to kind of slow down the strengths of the other team which makes it for a really entertaining football game, but not necessarily one I want to bet. No, I, I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. I um, you know, at the end of the firefight, I'll I'm gonna go ahead and go with the Chargers, but I can totally understand sitting this one out, just enjoying what I think could be the best game of the week for sure. Uh, when it's all said and done, I mean, I, these two teams, I think they both have enough talent to make the playoffs. If it does come down to that. And, um, you know, we just got to get a little bit of blocking on the Raiders side of things. Tampa Bay Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. The Bucks sitting as two and a half point favorites right now on the road at the Cowboys. Fifty and a half is your total across the board. One rogue, 51 available out there. So what do we know heading into this one? And Adam, I'm going to ask you because you do have a play on this one. If these things went into the reason you pulled the trigger or if this was something that you were going towards anyway. We know they acquired the Cowboys acquired James Rob James Washington. He gets goes down in training camp. He's not going to be able to play for them for a while. Michael Gallup, even though he is making strides, does not look like he's going to be back out there in week one either. Tyron Smith goes down for this offensive line. We know this massive splits whenever he is not out there. And now all of a sudden and it they say with an abundance of caution, but Dak Prescott is limited in practice, basically only did work on the side because of some sort of something going on with that surgically repaired foot of his. They were saying that the new cleats he wore were agitating him, but again, just I'm not trying to read between the lines. I'm just going to report what is being reported. So 
you do have this Cowboys team that has all of the stuff that is kind of going against them, whereas the news coming out of the Bucks side of things tends to be a little bit more optimistic. You have Chris Godwin, who has now practiced for consecutive days and might actually play. He's a game-time decision. We thought Godwin was going to be gone the first two or three weeks of the season, and now he's become a game-time decision for this Bucks squad. And, of course, they go out and sign Julio Jones, which, to me, Julio's probably just going to fill the – He's probably just going to fill the Gronk role, right? I mean, like, just kind of like go and be a big body dude, sit down over the middle, be a red zone target, different stuff like that. So, what eventually led you to the Buck side at two and a half? This is 100% a fate of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I know how chalky the Buccaneers are at less than a field goal this week. It's been one of the most uh, cash and tickets heavy game for the books on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am down on Dallas. I am so far down on Dallas, you're going to have trouble seeing me down there. Mm-hmm. It is a team that I do not understand why anyone would be in other than Dak Prescott, period. And I'm going to go to the defensive side first because one thing that I tend to fade is how a defense performed last year. Look at Dallas. Before Micah Parsons arrived, this was a defense that we were talking about as the reason the Cowboys would not win games. Then Micah Parsons got there, and all of a sudden, Dallas is a top-10 defense last year. Well, what's probably the reality for this team? Somewhere in the middle. And if this defense isn't going to create massive amounts of turnovers, and really, isn't that where we got what we were looking at with this team last year was the turnovers? Was Diggs having this insane number of turnovers that didn't match up with his PFF grade for his coverage? Uh, Micah Parsons getting to the quarterback? All of these things make me look at this team and go back to what you just said on the offensive side of the ball now, Matt. They have C.D. Lamb, and they have C.D. Lamb, and then they have C.D. Lamb, and that's it. You mentioned the Tyron Smith thing. That is something that is well-documented in terms of Dak Prescott. Now, on the other side with Tampa Bay, what's the major concern? It's the offensive line. I get it. They're beaten up. They had free agent defections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If there is one quarterback in football who I trust to be able to work around it, who already was a guy who got rid of the ball faster than just about anybody in the NFL, who has been getting rid of the ball faster than anybody in the NFL for many years now, it's Tom Brady. So less than a field goal to back what I think is a clearly, clearly superior Tampa Bay team. I don't care where we're playing the game. I'll take Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, Stephen, for me, the play for me here is with this being an island game on Sunday night, I am looking for the public to do me a solid and come in and bet the over. And if this thing gets over 51, I'm going to come in on the under. Because one thing that we have heard is the Cowboys, because they have no depth at the wide receiver position as we sit right now, that they're going to utilize having the two backs and having Zeke and having Pollard and try to run the ball a whole lot more and maybe play keep away from the Bucks in this thing. And so if I can get a 51 and a half or you know, if the if the gods all descend here and I can get a 52 even better, I am going to come in on the under in this one because I think the Cowboys, I think their best shot actually is probably trying to play keep away, probably trying to run the ball a little bit more and keep Tom Brady in what is going to be, at least in week one here, a very superior offense off the field. 
please dallas keep telling me you're going to run zeke and run the ball it is music to my ears because i am with <laughs> adam here i have taken the bucks to cover less than a field goal and i think we could see this touch three we'll see as we record friday morning there is at least one book that's moved the minus two and a half price to minus 115 so we'll see if more money comes in and we actually get to that key number so if you like the bucks i would make sure you would go get it as soon as possible to capture that two and a half but let's not forget when these two teams played a year ago the bucks were nine point favorites in the game so on a neutral field the market told us that this is a seven point advantage between these teams and now we flip stadiums and it's less than a field goal for the bucks like unless you think dallas has a four and a half point home field advantage which let me tell you they do not nobody even has a three-point advantage seems to be the consensus around the market these days so this this line is short for me i am very happy to take the buccaneers at minus one and a half and if you look at the changes in dallas it's not just cd lamb it's the fact that the coaching malpractice if you haven't heard our dallas preview video from before they were telegraphing run pass based on formation more than anybody else in the nfl last year they they won't play Tony Pollard, the superior running back and the pass catcher, or otherwise they actually would have an additional weapon they could rely on other than C.D. Lamb. And, oh, by the way, they lost Tyron Smith, and Dak Prescott's uh, splits with and without his left tackle are very stark. So I think all of this lines up for Tampa Bay to be in a much better situation, and I can't believe that this number is not three. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be Noah Brown and uh... – Jalen Tolbert is your second and third options at wide receiver while they deal with all these injuries. So again, going to be tough in my opinion to move the ball. I still think that that Bucks defense is pretty solid. So give me definitely give me the Bucks, but I, I'm certainly going to be looking for an underplay on this one as we get into Sunday evening. Final game on the slate, maybe the least sexy game on the entire slate. Uh, Monday Night Football, Denver Broncos at the Seattle Seahawks right now. Six and a half in favor of the Broncos. This thing pretty much has not moved at all. It is sitting at six and a half uh, for a long time now. 44 and a half to 45-ish, start, 45 starting to pop at least a little bit as far as the total here. Uh, Steven, listen, for me, no real opinion. The Broncos are going to win. I think it's a great survivor play if you want to play the Broncos this week from that. I mean, Seattle, I have them, as as you well know, if you listen to our preview stuff, I have, them, I have them projected to be the worst team in the NFL. I think it's going to manifest that they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. There's just no talent there. Their coaching staff and philosophy is archaic. And outside of two wide receivers, that's really the only thing you can say about this team. Like, hey, Seattle Seahawks. They got two good pass catchers. Who's going to get them the ball? I have no idea. The Broncos are going to win. Do I think they win by a whole touchdown? I don't really know, but uh, that's, that's kind of how I, I view this game. Yeah, if Dallas is the poster child for coaching malpractice with a, an above-average roster, then Seattle is the coaching malpractice with a bad roster yeah. because if you look at their defense, they are consensus bottom five front seven, bottom five secondary we talked on our team preview how Pete Carroll just continues to run the ball at worse and worse success rates, even in heavy formations. His offensive line is a consensus bottom 10 offensive line. And now you downgrade from Russell Wilson to, uh, I guess, Geno Smith and maybe Drew Locke at some point this year. The reports were that they actually demanded Drew Locke to be in the trade with Russell Wilson like they thought he was some kind of asset. So... Uh, yeah, if you want to go and bet Seahawks plus six and a half week one, 
Go ahead, but I, it's not going to be me. <laughs> it's not going to be me, man. Adam, Adam, they're starting two rookies at tackle. Like, it's going to be Geno Smith with two rookies playing tackle on both sides. I mean, it's just like, it, it, I get it. You got DK Metcalf. You got Tyler Lockett. How the hell is he going to get him the ball? I have no idea. The only <laughs> way I would even look at this game is potentially playing some Broncos unders, Russell Wilson unders, receivers unders. I think yeah. Seattle's going to take this game and muck it and slog it and make it so that yeah. it's very difficult for Denver to do what it wants to do offensively. So I would be looking to play unders on Russell Wilson and company. First game in a new scheme for Russell Wilson. I think they won't have the entire playbook installed. I don't want anything to do with this game otherwise. Yeah, it is just a gross, gross game. I wish we would have gotten a better one to for week one Monday Night Football, but we get an awesome one. Uh, we get several awesome games here in week one, so I'm not going to complain too much. Going to run through everything here, guys. I am on Vikings plus two, Chargers minus three, Chiefs minus five and a half, Eagles minus three and a half. A whole bunch of teasers involving the Colts, Vikings, Ravens, and Browns. So any combination of those you want to get in, you can also toss in a 49ers leg as well. Adam is on Jacksonville, Baltimore teaser. He is also on the over in the San Francisco, Chicago game. Patriots plus three and a half. Cleveland on the money line. Green Bay as point and a half favorites. Uh, the Raiders plus three and a half. And then Tampa Bay as a sh- under a field goal, minus two and a half there. And then Steven, he's got the Vikings in two different teasers. One with Cleveland this week, one with Cincinnati next week. Jacksonville at over a field goal. Underdog plus three and a half. The Giants is six point dogs. Eagles is three and a half point favorites. Houston plus seven and a half. Indy, Houston over 45 and a half. And then also Arizona plus six as we get out of here guys uh let's go with this real quick adam what is the what is the favorite bet in your account so far this week what is the one that you have the most conviction in it's either the jacksonville plus eight and a half baltimore minus one teaser Uh or it's tampa bay i cannot tell you how down i am on dallas steven as we get out of here your favorite bet in your account buddy eagles eagles big I also, Eagles three and a half, to me, I think the Eagles really, really get it done this week. And if I'm going on one of those teaser legs, give me the Colts-Vikings teaser leg. Really do love that one as well. Guys, everything we do, absolutely free. So if you are listening to us on the audio side of things, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you are watching us over on YouTube, hit that subscribe button down below. Stick with us all season long. We got awesome content here, programming schedule for every single day of the week. Adam joins us for the Megapod every single Friday. Me and Steven will be back for Survivor podcasts and, and pick videos and things like that. And, of course, all of our Island Game videos as well. Free $10,000 up for grabs. Just head over. The link is in the description. Also, you can see it all over thelines.com as well. For Adam, for Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck here in week one of the NFL.